0: Hello, and welcome to Modern Animism Radio. I'm Laura Giles, and I'm here to answer your questions about how to make animism accessible to the average Western person. If you have a question, please send it along, and it may end up as a topic of a podcast or a YouTube video. Today's topic is uh, the social justice and cancel culture. I actually had to look that up because I don't particularly participate in mainstream culture. But I'm going to give you my take on how that um, fits into your animist practice. Of course, you're always free to disagree with me. You're the authority on your life and can create whatever guidelines that work for you. Hearing different perspectives can strengthen what you already know or help you to grow in different directions. It's like if you look at the yin-yang symbol, maybe I'm on one side, you're on the other side, we're different ages, we're different cultures, so quite naturally we're going to have different opinions. So I'm not here to tell you what to think, just give you something to think about. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of social justice and cancer culture, let's pause to give thanks to our ancestors and the elements. I thank and acknowledge the element of earth for the ground beneath our feet that helps us stay stable and find our way back to center. I thank you for the earth that is coming back to life and gives us all we need to survive. I thank and acknowledge the air for all the things we can't see, our breath, imagination, thoughts, and inspiration all those things that help us to live and grow. Thank you. Acknowledge and thank fire for the passion that ignites our heart and motivates us to do great and small things. I thank and acknowledge water for giving us the means to go deep, feel deep, and face our darkness so that we can be whole. I thank our plant, animal, and mineral ancestors for all that you do to make life possible and give thanks to our human ancestors for all the ways we're supported that we see and don't see. I'd like to thank you, our listeners, who support us with likes, shares, comments, and subscribes. All this helps our Google rating. So please, if this broadcast helps you or inspires you in anyway, write a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And if you'd like to donate, you can do that at our website at pansociety.net at the bottom of the page. Now, you know, if you've been listening for a while, our online course has been up for renovation, and we're actually doing a church-wide update, and with. At Mercury, recent Mercury and retrograde. Ice storms, power outages. It's taken a lot longer than anticipated. We had hopes of having um, a lot of projects completed. That hasn't happened, so I'm asking you to be patient. Stuff is rolling out though. It is coming, and I can't wait to unveil it. And I'll tell you about more, uh, more about that as it gets closer. So if you're like me, and you didn't know what the cancel culture was, let me share my understanding so that we can start off on the same page. So if we don't have the same understanding, of course, we're not going to agree. Um, Cancel culture is when someone does something wrong, and it's usually a celebrity or a company, and it's blasted all over social media so that they can be shamed and ostracized over it. Sometimes the person is specifically targeted, and negative things from the past are dug up to ruin their reputation. Sometimes it's just something random that happens to be caught on tape, like with all the Karens. And the transition, transgression, sorry, can uh, happen in real time, or it can be something that's decades old. But so sort of like a vigilante justice that's meant to call attention to wrongdoings like racism or sexism, to put an end to them by boycotting that person's products, events, services, or, or just by shaming them. And many say they engage in this because legal justice doesn't always happen or because they want to spend their money supporting people on causes that are morally worthy. So that makes sense, right? I think we all want to support people who do good over those who don't. But let's look at this through the sovereignty connection and oneness lens of pan society, shall we? So sovereignty says that you can do whatever you want within your own boundaries, So your boundaries being your body, your property, and the things that you have control over or responsibility for, like your kids, your company, or anything that you create, and that sort of thing. So that's freedom. And that freedom ends where other people's begins. So once you cross over into shared space or public space, it becomes shared ownership and responsibility. And that's why we don't allow flashing in public places. You don't have the right to show yourself to someone who hasn't given permission to see that. When we're walking down the street, we have a reasonable expectation of safety. If everyone respects boundaries, everyone benefits in a park or public forest, I should have a reasonable expectation of finding it clean. If everyone cleans up after themselves, that's what should happen so we all have a nice space to enjoy. If I do otherwise, I'm violating your sovereignty. So I hear a lot of people complain about roommate situations, and just about every complaint, it's about boundary violations. If I'm taking food that doesn't belong to me, making noise when it's reasonable to think someone is sleeping or if I leave my stuff sprawled out into common areas when I'm not there or leave dirty dishes in the sink, probably not doing a great job of respecting the boundaries. I'm violating someone else's sovereignty and the right to quiet enjoyment of the shared space. If I want to be connected, and we all do, because we can't be happy whole humans without connection, then it's better for everyone if I learn how to respect the boundaries and share the space in a way that's agreeable to all parties. If our values are too far apart and we can't do this well, maybe we need to find other roommate. So there is a balance between self-governance and taking responsibility for ourselves and being flexible so that we can stay connected to others. That's the balance between me and me. So what does this have to do with cancel culture? Well, I would say that it's our responsibility to know what companies that we do business with support. If they're sustainable, fair trade, clean, Use environmentally sound practices. I think those are things most people will stand behind. We don't want to knowingly support sweatshops or people who are kids, right? We want to give our money to companies who share our values. And I think that's awesome, responsible citizenship. We want to promote companies and people who share our values because if they succeed, those values are promoted. Uh, A couple of podcasts back, Klaisi Elsa talked about how this shows up in companies who embrace spirituality in a workplace, and I love that idea. So promoting what we love is a really different thing from ostracizing and shaming people for what we don't love. <laughs> Making responsible choices is a proactive and defensive. Shaming is reactive and offensive. So maybe the people deserve it. I've seen some really despicable things on social media. I've seen posts where someone has made a racist comment and it went viral and then someone aspired. fired. Maybe that doesn't sound like a bad thing. But here's why I'm talking about it today. Haven't you ever done something that you'd rather not have blasted over social media? Hasn't something happened to you or you were involved in something that just happened because you were young, unwise, or made a poor choice? Or maybe even wasn't manipulated. We all have. I'm, maybe that was yesterday. <laughs> it doesn't have to be because we were young. Should we get away with harming others? No. Should we make amends? Absolutely. But when that's done, that could be it. It doesn't have to ruin anyone's life. Life's about learning. And when you commit a crime, you go to jail and then you get out. It should be over. You paid your debt. And the reason why we have so much recidivism in this country is that we have a penal system, not a rehabilitation system. And punishment's not an effective deterrent. And that's not my opinion. That's research. So it doesn't work for kids. It doesn't work for adults. And shaming is a punishment. No, it's actually worse than a punishment because it's not saying that what you did is bad. It's saying that you are bad. When we tell people enough, it becomes true. That impacts everyone. Do you know the story of Frankenstein? Dr. Frankenstein wanted to heal people. He wanted to help. So he scavenged body parts from corpses and brought this monster to life. And people ran screaming from him, and the monster learned that he was hideous. He was actually kind-hearted and tried to help people in the forest harvest their crops when the ground was too frozen and hard for them to do it themselves. But when they saw him, they also ran screaming. So he learned that, you know, he's like creepy and weird. Nobody wanted to be around him, and all the monster wanted was love. He told Dr. Frankenstein that if he didn't make him a wife, he could share his life with, he'd kill his love. And this is what happens when we deny people love, forgiveness, and a chance to rehabilitate themselves. They become monsters, and ugliness gets taken out on their families, friends, and society. So not everybody, not everybody, but it can happen in a really, really bad way. And as each person is infected with it, it spreads, either as more monsters or by people who are broken by them. And it's my opinion that shame is the underlying factor in most mental illness. So we all, we have all these people looking at ancestral healing, but if you aren't addressing the shame component, are you really getting any healing? Any deep healing, anyway. I know that what I'm about to say is really unpopular right now, but I have to say that labels of cultural appropriation, white guilt, colonizers, those kind of, that kind of language perpetuates the racism problem through shame. It's just the other side of the good guy, bad guy calling. So if I'm a colonizer, then I'm the bad guy. Oh, I've got, you know, I'm so hideous. I have so much to look up, look, look, pay up, pay pay back. <laughs> and if I'm, I'm on the other side, then I'm the victim. I'm still, no, there's no good guy here. <laughs> so PL people are just changing places with dark-skinned people. And that doesn't help anyone because it's the same old shame and blame game. If we want to end that, we have to stop playing that game, not just have the players change sides. And the way out of that game is through acceptance, compassion, and forgiveness. It's not true shame. Now, shame's not a bad thing. No emotions are bad. They all have positive purpose. The function of shame is to let us know that we're not in alignment with either our values or society's values. So it's a heads up so we can make adjustments. Now, sometimes society is wrong. Society was wrong when it said that pale people and dark-skinned people couldn't love each other or that same-sex couples couldn't love each other. So shame is not not an indicator, or no emotions are an indicator that something's right or something's wrong. It's just kind of a heads up, ooh, ooh, you know, check in, what's going on here, that kind of thing. And if we as individuals exercise acceptance, compassion, and forgiveness for something that we see is wrong, there'd be a whole lot less trauma in this world. There'd be a whole lot less intergenerational healing that has to happen. So you're the key to this. Heal yourself. Be part of the change so that this doesn't continue to spiral out of control and on to everyone else. So if you want to do that, this doesn't mean that we look the other way when something is truly bad or harmful. Let me call it harmful. We do still need to stand up to bullies and child molesters because they're violating someone else's sovereignty. The weak, sick, or small can't defend themselves. Children can't give consent. So giving people a pass is not effective. But let me tell you, when I was working in a prison, uh, I said I was about to be unpopular, now I'm really telling you. So when I was working in a prison, I was a sex offender treatment provider. That's not something that I like to admit because people are just like, what, you know? Um, yeah, I was a sex offender treatment provider, and it's not something that I wanted to do, but I was the only qualified person. and I didn't have to do it. They, they were like, you know, we're giving you this choice, and I really had to think it over. I didn't think I was the best person at all, and I didn't really want to do it either. Um, you know you always hear that the vilest thing that anyone ever could do is harm a child and I definitely agree with that too. And I didn't think I could look at someone in the face who harmed a kid that way. I didn't think I could be a help to that that person because I thought my feelings and my judgment would get in the way. But you know what happened when I actually met them? I saw a human being in front of me. They were people. We're all people. And no matter what you've done, there's a light inside of you. And when something somebody does something like this, they don't see that light. They don't believe that it's there, and they can't stand themselves. There's nothing that you can do to them that is worse than what they're already doing to themselves, trust me. And the thing that they need most in the world is to see the compassion in someone else's eyes. It's the only way to break the cycle of shame. People who feel that they're no good hurt themselves or others. Then the people that they hurt have a chance of harming others. And it goes on and on and on for generations. Is it fair that they should get your compassion? Well, maybe it's not fair, but if you believe in oneness, I'm asking you to do it anyway. It could be you. I'm not saying you're a child molester, but maybe you did something else that you wish somebody knew about. And as long as it's kept quiet, you're good. But what if it were exposed? What if everyone knew your deepest, darkest secret? How would you feel? You know, people commit suicide or things like that. suicide is epidemic right now. Is it worth losing yourself over? Is it worth hiding your whole life for something that happened when you were a child, maybe? So let's be clear. I'm not suggesting that you turn the other cheek when someone's trying to hurt you or someone you care about. Definitely put a stop to that. And I still think there should be consequences to boundary violations. But if you can do that without malice, then that's a much more humane outcome for everyone. You're not meeting negativity with negativity, and the person saves space and has a better chance of rehabilitating themselves. But by all means, do not put yourself in harm's way out of compassion for someone else. So don't do the codependency thing and just let yourself be a doormat um, trying to be a good person. Um, wrong is wrong. Abuse is abuse. And if it happened, it happened. Don't let it continue, but don't hold on to any grudge or need for ongoing punishment either. If you can, be willing to love. Too often we close our own hearts down to keep from getting hurt again, and that only means that we treat ourselves out of love, too. A closed heart can't take any in. We all share this planet, and one damaged person can go on to damage so many others. That's how intergenerational trauma has become epidemic. I've worked in trauma treatment for over 20 years. I have clients who are molested as children who have molested other children. They're filled with self-loathing and some are suicidal. Do they have to pay for what happened to them for the rest of their lives? They did hurt others, but it's because they learned it from someone who hurt them. And the cycle has to end somewhere. There's over 40 million sex trafficking victims around the globe. 13% of women in the USA and 6% of men have experienced rape. 20 million Americans struggle with addiction issues in 2017. So you can see there's a lot of hurt people in the world. And hurt people do not do wise things. They hurt other people could be you. could be me. I think it's time to see people who are unkind and abusive as hurt people, not bad people. Bad's an identity. It's hard to change your identity. That's a totally different thing than saying someone did a bad thing. We can make amends for mistakes. We can make different choices. We can't change who we are very easily. So speaking of that, I guess I should say that if you're a parent, be careful of how you discipline your kids. We tell kids that they have to be good if they want Santa to come. When they talk back or do what we don't want them to do, we tell them that they're bad and say it hasn't caused them. Kids believe you. Don't tell them that they're bad. <laughs> Let them know that their behavior is not fabulous. It's a small thing that makes a huge difference. We don't want to tell people that they're bad. There isn't enough of reminding people of the light inside happening. We need to do more of that. So you did a bad thing and you're a good, good person. I love you, that kind of thing. Uh, and this can get tricky, too, because if it's like a I love you, I hate you, that is soul-destroying. That's invalidating. But if it's I don't like what you did and I still love you, that's actually the healthy side of that. They can look the same. Um, so I hope that, that you're getting the distinction between the two. Um, so just think about what kind of world you want to live in. Is it a world where when you look outside your window, you see lots of humans with their heart lights lit up and connected to everyone else? Or do you see dark bodies moving around in isolation? If you see that first vision, be that light. Shine that back to people when you look at them. Smile. Be friendly. Caution you nothing. If you don't like what someone or a company is doing, don't support them. But don't shame or ostracize them. You don't have to like or support everyone, but life is better when you see the love and light inside of everyone. One of the problems with racism is that we don't see each other as having equal value. We were all kind to everyone and respected their sovereignty. Things would change overnight. I think we've all seen these movies about heroic teachers who go into poor schools where the children have no discipline, no prospects, no self-respect. Then they're treated with kindness, shown structure and healthy boundaries, and they're expected to do good things. And what happens? Their light shines, doesn't it? They become leaders, achievers, lovers, creators. Remember that. When someone isn't living up to their greatness, it's almost always because they either weren't taught to see it Are they lost it along the way, or it's not expected. Expect greatness. (laughs) It's not your job to help anybody find it, but if you're shining your light, witnessing and living with sovereignty and connection in mind, that could plant seeds to help them find it. And if we all did that, it would happen almost overnight. I know that I sometimes share quotes that were said by people who aren't shining examples in some way. I've gotten called on this. And I readily admit that I don't read biographies before I share inspiring quotes and proverbs. It's because beauty and light are found everywhere and in everyone. And even roses have thorns. If I waited for someone to be perfect to learn from them, I would have no teachers. (laughs) How do you think people learn? It's from making mistakes. So sovereignty is about minding your own business. If I can help, and I'm wanted then by all means, I help. Otherwise, it's a not my circus, not my monkeys kind of game. It makes the load lighter. There are a whole lot of codependent people out there who carry the weight of the world on their shoulders, and some carry the weight of their past. So learn from it and put it down. Being the virtual Santa Claus who judges whether everyone is worthy to be in your family, be your friend, do business with, or walk the earth is a gigantic job, and it's not your job. Instead, why not let them be your teachers? Because maybe your condemnation is a way to avoid the dark things inside you that you don't want to look at. Grips with that, we tend to be more compassionate people. We've been to hell, and we know that if we have to go there again, well, at least we know the way out. And that's definitely the harder thing to do, but it's also the most satisfying. So cancel culture and social justice, I don't think we should cancel anyone. We're all human beings. That's like canceling ourselves. And I can disagree with what you believe in and not like what you do, but you're still a part of me. And I can't cancel you without canceling a part of me. And the Sudanese put it this way, a child is a child of everyone. But that goes for adults too. You know that Maya Angelou quote, when you know better, you do better? I think it's easier to teach someone with compassion and forgiveness than shame. Not just because I say so, but because of sovereignty, connection, and one. And if I don't do that, I'm not connected, am I? And social justice? Well, if we all treat each other as we would like to be treated, we live in social justice. So there'd be no tit-for-tat, and it again, be gone overnight. You might say that's a pie-in-the-sky dream, but I look at my family, and for the last three generations, we lived this. My parents married across racial, spiritual, and socioeconomic lines. My grandparents married across racial lines. My great-grandparents married, married across religious and socioeconomic lines. When people are people, cancel culture is unthinkable. I know we have to contend with society, but society is made up of people. So let's start with the man in the mirror. Before I leave this topic, I want to be sure to say loudly and clearly to people who have been victimized by others that what happened was real. It was not your fault. Your anger is justified. And you do not have to do a thing that is different from what you're already doing. Your journey is your journey. So feel your feelings. Embrace your experience to rush your healing process could be even more traumatizing than it already has been. Trauma is a complex thing that can't be prayed away. You can't think it away, forgive it away, or wish it away. So I'm not trying to guilt you into doing something that you can't or are not ready for. You're not bad if you don't have compassion or forgiveness yet, healing's a process. But if you're in a space where you can give up the practice of shaming and judging, I would suggest that. That'll give you a ton of energy that you can use to heal. Empower yourself and shine. And if you're someone who's done wrong and feel like you're bad and can't forgive yourself, know that there's a way out of that cycle. It involves taking responsibility. So that's sovereignty, too, for what you did, making amends and building healthy, valid relationships so that you feel the goodness within you and you see it reflected back to you. You need people around you who don't judge, who are compassionate, and who will see the good in you so that you can begin to believe it, too. It's not easy. As a trauma therapist, this is always the toughest hurdle for me to help clients with it. And I can't do it for them. I can't drag them across. They have to do it for themselves. It can be a really slow process for some people, but it can happen. I've seen it. I've seen a lot of people stand on the other side of that battle. Just go watch um, a TED Talk, and you'll see how many people put their stories on display. One of the most inspiring talks that I've ever heard was by Sammy Wrangell. Please give it a listen. Please. That's 20 minutes of your life. (laughs) He spoke for 20 minutes, and I was absolutely riveted the entire time. He talked about the most horrific violence that any child has ever endured that I've ever heard, and I worked in a prison at a psychiatric hospital. His uncle began sexually assaulting him when he was just three, and he tried to kill himself when he was eight. Then he became a runaway, gang member, thief, and addict. He spilled it all and left nothing out. And that path led him to eventually become a substance abuse counselor and a co-founder of Life After Hate, a group that helps right-wing extremists leave that lifestyle. I can't even imagine what it must have been like to live that life, but I can tell you how much admiration that I have for someone who can put an end to the hurt in his family by doing something different. The world doesn't need more judgment and policing, y'all. You need more compassion and love. If you can, be the change. Sammy Rangel didn't do it all by himself. He had help. We always have help, no matter what we're doing and succeeding at Nobody does it alone. So if you can be that for someone else, do that. Now, I'm not talking about moving them in or being a mentor necessarily. Little things matter, a smile, an encouraging word, biting your tongue when you're tempted to say something nasty or judgy. You don't know what other people are going through. You don't know what might set them over the edge or bring them down off the ledge. So let's aim for the latter and leave each day a little brighter than it was the day before. That's connection. That's caring for the whole and living in relationships. Now, you and I may not come to the same conclusion on issues about a lot of things relating to how we practice our animism, but I'm confident that if we're running it past the sovereignty and connection filters, whatever we do, will respect ourselves, have healthy boundaries, and be good for others too. if you have different conclusions, let us know. Write it in the comments. I love seeing things through someone else's lens so that we can all learn from each other. That's our show for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you all for joining us for this edition of Pan Society Radio. Give us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening if you like our show. I'm so grateful for all of you being here and tuning in. Hope you're having a fabulous week and staying safe from COVID. See you next week. Ciao.